Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. I'm your host, Ansonia Gibbs, and with me today, I have the illustrious Ramon Perry. Now, Ramon Perry and I, we go back mm, quite a ways, but we also became singing partners in an aggregation, and he'll tell you about that a little further down the road. Right now, I want to bring Ramon Perry to the stage and give us an introduction, Ramon. Well, first of all, hello, everybody, and thank you, Sonia, for considering me to be a part of, I believe this is your first presentation, uh, your first podcast, and uh, I'm humbled and honored, as I stated in the uh, email, that you would consider me to be your first guest, and uh, congratulations on your new ministry move. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This actually has been a on my heart something similar to this since 2016. And um, I got in contact with Lavelle Lacey because Lavelle started the Chicago Coalition, Musicians Coalition. Mm-hmm. And I had been thinking about some things and uh, it, it was just weighing heavy on my heart. And I woke up one day and I told my husband, I said, you know, it is a shame that the people from the... 90s from the the 80s and the 90s there's really no record of what people have done or what they've contributed to gospel music so in 2016 it was laid on my heart and i wanted to do a video a documentary however things happened the meetings uh the musicians coalition meets on tuesday mornings and because I had started working, because I was on temporary employment hiatus, that's my favorite phrase. <laughs> but okay, when, I got you. When uh, I started working, I then began to think about, well, I can't make these meetings. So I was trying to figure out a way to do it. Then we had, of course, quite a few things happened in, in between that, and then the COVID 19 hit I came out to the breakfast in December 2019 that was taking place but I was uh, I had gathered some information passed out some cards and wanted to get started but of course winter hit and we know about Chicago winters so I was thinking well hey maybe once the winter the seasons break I can get an opportunity to get out videotape people and talk to them And of course, then COVID-19 hit. So the next uh, touch that I got was to do a podcast. And I said, hey, I can do that. And everybody can be safe in their home, but we can still communicate. But enough about me and this journey. I want to talk to you about your journey. And I want you to tell us how you started in gospel music. Um, okay, I'm a church baby, so I was uh, born in church. Uh, the church I came out of was the West Side. It was called Wesley Chapel Spiritual Church. And my first directress, minister music, or whatever you want to call it, was the late Ethel Holloway. Mm. And um, her son was the musician. And I used to see him play all the time. And I always wanted to know how did he play and play the pedals and not look at them. I, I, that was fascinating to me. How do you how do you know what pedals are, you know to hit and you're not looking at it? And he would just laugh. 
And so as I got a little older and he saw that I was really interested in playing, he would sit me on the organ and let me play the keys. And eventually my mom bought me a little keyboard and I started taking music lessons. And um, either you have it or you don't at some point, you, you know, you kind of know who's going to be musically inclined. Sometimes it hits late in life, but it hit me early. And I was exposed to a lot of music in my home. My mom listened to a lot of classic secular. My grandmother and I were in church. And so I got a balance of church music exposed to a lot of music like the Voices of Tabernacle, a lot of Maddie Moss Clark. And I'm talking about from the 60s, okay? Um, I just turned 56. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm talking early on. And so, so as I got older, uh, Sylvester Harper, who was the Ever Holloway son, eventually left our home church. And when he left, I was in probably going in eighth grade. And so the whole music, everything fell on me because they knew I could play a little bit. And you know how the church is when you're the only one, you know, that has a musical inkling. Go on and do it, baby. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> and, you know, here I am scared to death because now I'm teaching people that are older than me. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. the youngest in the choir. Everybody else is an adult, got kids and so then I had to edge my way into learning how to be a leader in, in addition to playing because not only was playing put upon me, teaching was too. Oh. The good thing, I watched Ethel Holloway teach. Now, see, we don't get that part of her. Everybody got a certain part of her in later life of just recording and singing. But she could direct and she could teach. And I learned that from her and her son. So, um, you know, I was at my home church. I got, that was my foundation. Um, I left my home church and I joined another church. I was there for about 13 years. I was ministering music there. Uh, Zion Temple Church of Christ still exists today on 83rd, right off of Kingston. And it was one night I was looking at Saturday Night Sing and I saw this choir on Saturday Night Sing. It was James Chambers and Ecclesiastes. <laughs> and, and I was like, I want to sing in the community choir because I just, you know, I wanted to sing. Not only did I have an inclination for playing and directing, I like singing too. And so uh, I saw them and I said, I want to sing in that choir. There was, you know, what got me help is on the way was a song that just, I was like, I love this song. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. so, and then I started following and then I joined the choir and I sang with Jane for a number of years. And, um, and then I started my own choir. I, uh, I was so impressed with what I learned. I learned a lot under James. You know, James was a, he was a shrewd businessman. Mm -hmm. Let's say that he knew how to get things done. Uh, not just musically, but on the business side. And you do know that, and Sonia. Mm -hmm. James, you know how some people, that's not their area, so they get somebody else to do that part? Right, right. James knew the music, and he knew the business, and he just knew how to get things done. He really was extremely knowledgeable. While that may not have been my expertise, I did learn a lot from him when I started my own choir. Now, we're going to put a pin. We're going to put a pin right there for one second. Now, yeah. I am actually uh, considering uh, working on, not considering, but I'm working on doing a tribute show to several people that we lost in gospel music. And I'm glad you brought up Ethel Holloway because she was a powerhouse. And I would like to do tribute shows to some of those that we've lost, especially, like I said, those that we've lost in the, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So I Absolutely. want to get to do a, a tribute show, and I definitely want to do a tribute show about James Chambers because he was, like you said, a powerhouse. But we'll talk more about him later. But tell me about your group. 
that you okay. started? So my the, the group that I started called Ministry and Praise Corral, actually my group literally got started on a dare in a sense. <laughs> I, now my God, I always want to have them on fire. So a friend of mine uh, that I worked with told me, he knew that I was in church or whatever, and he told me that he had a quote unquote gig. He said, Ramon, I know you're in the church. I need some singers and we're gonna pay uh, $800. We need y'all to sing. This, you know, about folk songs, we need y'all in choir robes and all this little kind of thing. And I'm like, I, I said, well, how many people you need? He said, I need at least 15. I knew 15 singers. So I'm like, I got 15 singers and we worked on this and all this kind of thing. Come to find out it was a farce. It did not work. But everybody that came to the rehearsals wanted to keep rehearsing. And I, it, and it just kind of worked out. And it was something I wanted to do anyway. So it just, you know, I guess he was a blessing in a sense. So anyway, we started singing. A lot of what I learned, I took from James, or I took from Thomas Whitfield. I learned a lot from him. While I was singing with James, I was also uh, working from uh, Midway Airlines, if you remember at the time. And, and I used to use my benefits to go to Detroit a lot. So I have a strong Chicago-Detroit influence. And um, I went to the Whitfield Club rehearsals, and I learned it. I learned a whole nother kind of level of music ministry from Tommy. Mm -hmm. And I brought that back to my choir. I didn't want a real big choir. I wanted a choir almost like the size of ECC because you can tailor the sound. You can, you know, you can critique it and you can mold it as opposed to having nothing wrong with mass choirs. With mass choirs, you get a mass choir sound. I wanted to have a sound that was completely unique and, and identifable, on, you know, on the first, you know, on, on first hearing it. Now, on, so, there, on on that point, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But on that uh -oh. point, I like the way you said that, is that you can teach them to phrase differently. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. about that. Okay, so, I mean, it's like when you have a smaller group of people there are, especially if they're handpicked. And, you know, James didn't let anybody in ECC either. You know, it's not like your grandmama saying Alice Hotel at a cover rehearsal. That's just not, that's just, <laughs> that's just what's the okay. case. Now, if your grandmama can sing, you tell her to come on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm just suggesting that it was a certain caliber of, of, of um, vocalist that was required. You know, and I may not have been very stringent, but I did handpick my singer. You know, I visited churches and I was at musicals and I saw people. And the one thing I didn't want was people to sing with like three or four of the choirs. That wasn't real popular back when I started. It came popular years ago. I mean, you look at one program, somebody changed role full time. That's not what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't give nobody 100%. What you you know. said, a role anyway, <laughs> Absolutely. So nonetheless, the people that I picked were mostly lead singers, some with strong background, and many of them were choir directors and musicians in their own right. They're the easiest to teach, you know, you know, you don't have to beg them. They come wanting to sing, and I was able to tailor a certain sound. I mean, when I wanted something breathy, I knew how to get it out of them. When I wanted something rich and deep, I knew how to pull that out. When I wanted some sweet head tones for certain songs, I knew how to pull that out. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And I knew how to pull it out, and I knew how to get it exactly how I wanted it, even if it took all night to to tell you almost said just do it one more time, one more time, you know. <laughs> and nobody was really like frustrated, like I gotta go. You know how you know some okay. rehearsals, so <laughs> I ain't trying to go in on nobody, but I'm just saying. So anyway, that's why I did that, and um, we did a couple of recordings. Um, we did a, a recording for the late Brenda Moore, 
when she did her last project, my choir did all the music. Mm. And I did something, I've done some writing. I've learned, um, the Lord has blessed me to write some music and to arrange some music. Okay. And so uh, I've just been blessed. I can't complain. I really can't. Okay. Tell me uh, your first song that you wrote. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first song I wrote, it was called, it's called, a song. it's been recorded twice. It's called According to Your Faith. So my mom had a series of health challenges and, um, you know, I'm an only child. I was mama's boy. I still am. Mm -hmm. And uh, when she was sick, I had a spirit of doubt. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to make this. Because she had a major heart attack. And so what happened is the Lord just showed me, you got to see her well. Stop seeing her in the bed after this quintuple bypass. Mm -hmm. Start in your mind seeing her back at home. Okay. Seeing her cooking and moving around the house and laughing on the phone and watering the grass. Mm. And as Sonia, I'm going to tell you, you got to be careful what you ask God for because he will show give it to you. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. And it was according to my faith and my mom's faith that she was able to come off her bed of affliction. Amen. And, she, and, she, and, and, and so I wrote the song, According to Your Faith. And um, that's how I got that song. Okay. All right. That is wonderful. That is that is wonderful. I always want to know when a songwriter writes a song, what inspires them or how do they come about it? And thinking about how you get encouragement from writing a song. So you got encouragement from writing the, from writing the song. What did it do for you the very first time you heard other people singing your song? Well, okay, so the first time I heard my choir do it, um, when we did it and recorded it, and I remember it all, you know, God just has a mysterious way of working. So the young lady that left the song of my choir had been battling cancer for the longest. Hmm. <laughs> and she was just one of those, it's just, I'm not going nowhere. I don't care what happened. So she literally sang the song with conviction. And the first time I heard it, it you know, it was it was very overwhelming to hear my own choir then when it was recorded again with GMAC, which is uh, the gospel music according to Chicago, that choir, which I'm assistant director along with Malcolm Williams and uh, Dr. Ludella Evans-Reed, they re-recorded it. And, and I was like, man, this is really something. Actually, the question, let, let me just throw this question in for you. The first time I heard it on the radio. Was <laughs> that the, was the next one I was getting ready to ask. <laughs> Because you you get the you get the hard you know you get the rough draft you get the final mix before everybody and you listen to listen to but when you hear it on the radio by chance that's when you're like wow that's my song they played on thirteen ninety you know and Sony invited me over and you know pushed it and everything so it, it was overwhelming it was a blessing it still is well that's great that is fantastic now let me ask you uh, you're a vocal trainer. Do you do workshops? I have. I have done workshops. Okay, and where have I you have done, done them? Oh man, oh. Okay, so during this during this period, honestly, the last workshop I did, let me just say the choir is from Florida. And I did a Zoom workshop. All right. Probably the week after the virus hit the country real bad. Mm. 
Um, I've done a workshop in Detroit. I've done it in Milwaukee. And I've done a lot in the city, too. Okay. That's great. Because local churches. Mm -hmm. It's always good to have vocal training. Um, some people don't think that they need it. You know, you've heard the people um, that don't think that they need any training. But here's something that people don't know. The secret is, even though you're a trained vocalist, you still need additional training. Something that I admired, and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on this for a second and then step back off of it. Something that I admired about James Chambers is no matter how long ECC had been singing, he always had a vocal trainer come in and train the choir to continue to practice and, and exercise their gift. And I thought that was fantastic. So to people who are out there listening, church members who are out there that think that they have gotten to the top or to the peak, remember that vocal training helps vocal training helps to build your muscles and when you get different vocal trainers to come in you get a difference so Ramon will come in and do a training and give you a different sound or a different view so think about that audience I want you to think about those things and then we have Ramon is also a songwriter like I said and started his own group working with recording now talk about that that's something that not every person has uh insight on as far as recording because recording is something is a total different ball game that is a strictly a business it's not only a talent but it's also a business so could you touch on that a little bit wow okay it is it's it's far I mean, in terms of preparation, it's a, a completely different level of um, <clears throat> musical and vocal preparation that you that you have to get your mindset right for, especially if you're going to do a studio recording or even a live recording, because both require some production in or out of the studio either way. And it takes some it takes some discipline. And uh, it's got to be a passion. You, you, you get the best out of people that have a passion for singing. Mm. And um, then um, as an artist, then the business side, that is, that's completely different because, you know, um, you got um, to have some resources. You know, it's not enough to have the voice at this point. Now, when I say that, anybody can do a recording. Don't get me wrong. Where is it going to go? is the other thing mm. it's a lot of good music on the shelf because a lot of people didn't have the resources or the insight to make sure their music uh, got the proper exposure you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so that plays a big part now uh luckily with current modern technology we have a way to get it you know uh, some exposure by way of social media but you don't just want it on social media. You want it downloaded. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Because um, anybody can just click, you know, and play it. But you want it downloaded. So the the business side of, mu of, of, of music has changed tremendously. And it's constantly changing. It's not what it was. And artists don't make nearly as much as they did 30 years ago. That just doesn't happen. Now, when you say 
artist, do you mean the choir as a whole or the um, singers? Okay. Okay, so artists could encompass a couple of things. So let 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 me refine that. I wouldn't necessarily mean the artist as a choir, but let's say an artist that is a that, that sings solo or has a group, you know, or even the writer for a choir. Uh, that the not that you know not that there's an issue with anyone doing it for a living, but that kind of income has completely changed. Mm. And, and just to put it in a nutshell. Just think, 30 years ago, when you, if, just say, I wrote a song on Richard Smallwood's album. First of all, that would be a complete honor that he would take <laughs> one of my songs. I'm just using him as an example. First of all, everybody's going to buy it. And they're going to buy the whole album. So I'm going to get royalties, whether they even like my song or not. Because you, you back then, you had to buy the what? The wow. whole album, Right. right? Now we can cherry pick. I only want this song. I only want that song. I don't like the other six. I just want this one. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. yes. So so now writers, your stuff got to be good. And then with modern technology now, um, with streaming devices and streaming rate, internet radio, things change on how artists are even paid versus how they were paid years ago. Because now there's several different formats and platforms that pay differently depending upon how much how much your music is played on any given station at any given time. Okay, all right. Well, that's uh, good information to know because someone out there may be listening and saying, hey, I want to record a song or I want to record an album. And this kind of gives a little bit of insight as to how things has, have transitioned over the years. Okay especially when you talk about you're absolutely correct you can go and look at an album that has 10 selections on there but you only like two of them you can just purchase those two songs as opposed to purchasing the entire album so that is good information good knowledge there for listeners now i'm looking at as well that you mentioned about being on the chicago gospel fest and a show called sensation now we know the sensation is most popular in Chicago. Tell us the difference in singing on a show like Sensation and singing at the Chicago Gospel Fest. Okay, so we sang for uh, Dr. Willie Wilson at Sensation, and uh, there were several several other artists that sang, and um, we you get a time slot, which is pretty much standard. Uh, for either platform and so you have the cameras on you and you have to kind of tailor your music when you get the time slots you get you prepare your music according to the time slot you know what i mean okay so you can and then you have to be focused on stage presence and this kind of thing there you didn't have a live audience other than the other artists that were waiting to sing which you know it wasn't hard to sing with them because everybody can afflict everybody. Okay. Whereas the gospel fest, mind you, you have a larger audience of people that may not be churched, you know, so you want to make sure your appearance and your presentation is of such that it could reach even the person that got a big hand in their hand. 
because they had gospel fest and they done went to another booth somewhere else. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so you want to make sure that is definitely a how to reach the masses moment. Okay. And your showmanship and your stage presence and your energy has to be really on point because you want that audience to be touched by your ministry. Mm. So you got to, if you touch him, he'll touch you and he'll touch them too. Okay. That's great. It, and it's good to see that difference because everybody doesn't know that, that when you're on a television show, as opposed to being in front of a live audience, which in back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, the choirs loved having live audiences. And that was because of the energy. It's just like being at live theater. You feed off of the energy of the audience that you're, that you're ministering to. And that's something else I like to use the word is ministering because that's what you're doing. You're ministering through music. And Absolutely. some people, unfortunately, I, and I've seen several who they just want to sing just for to get a reaction out of people and really don't put the heart and soul into it. And then when you see someone who may not be the best vocalist get out there and sing, but the audience just falls out. And that's because they're singing from their spirit and from their heart to the audience's spirit and heart. So explain to me a little bit more about how you direct. Does directing a choir also feed into your energy? Absolutely. Um, especially if, especially I'm just going to just say, especially when I'm directing my own choir or choir that I have worked with and are familiar with and have trained <clears throat> because there are certain things that you want to achieve musically and there's a certain level of ministry that you want to definitely exude from what you do and the sound that you get and the song and the message. So you want to make sure that the poise and the energy, whatever it is, if it's light or if it's high, you definitely want to make sure that that comes through and you want to, first of all, you want to make sure you do everything, you know, everything to, to the glory of God. Mm. But even with him, you want to give him excellence, right? You don't oh, want yeah. to be directing nothing and be raggedy. And it helps for those directors that are musicians too. Many of us that are musicians, we sometimes have a different approach to directing than someone that just know one, two, this, out, stop, <laughs> out, you know. There's an unwritten, you know, there's, there's an unspoken language that we call them flaggers. <laughs> but then there are choir masters like James and, and Ricky and Donald, you know, that can stand and have to do very little and the choir just beat you up. And, and, they, and they can barely have lifted a hand mm. because they know how to breathe. They know how to project. They know how to minister. They know how to uh, project. They know when to bring it in. They know when to make it big, and they know when to make it small. And they know how to do that all, giving God the glory all at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So 
let's talk a little bit about, I, talk, I heard you talk about breathing. Now, this is something that some people don't know about me, is that I've done vocal workshops as well, traveled and done some vocal workshops. Now, mm-hmm. something that I remember James Chambers telling us is that if you do not breathe, you're going to go flat. If you do not breathe correctly, you're not going to sing correctly. So talk a little bit more on that about breathing and enunciation from your point of view as a vocal instructor. Um, two things. You, it's very likely that you can go flat if you don't breathe right and you don't breathe properly. But the, the other thing is if you don't breathe correctly, you're going to run out of breath in the middle of a phrase. And there are some phrases that, in order to be sung correctly, don't need a breath. Like, for instance, Lord, I will live. That's a whole phrase. Now, Lord, I will. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it takes away from the ministry when it's not connected properly due to not breathing correctly and at the same time, mm. at the proper place. that That's part of the ministry. That's part of how you receive. Sometimes when you hear those long phrases, that's just so rich. When you see people, you, you, see, you can see me right now, it's on you, right? <laughs> so when you see the music lovers, they're sitting there listening to me like. <laughs> <laughs> Something's not right. <laughs> It's just, you know, when you, and, and they're standing there like they're not even doing anything. So, again, back to your point. Breathing is essential to proper phrasing, mm. to proper delivery. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it myself. And <laughs> doing that. Now, I want to actually, let's circle back to your beginning. And you got me. You, you know, like, so just so you all know, she didn't send me these questions. She just, I'm just shooting from the hip. I'm, oh, God, I <laughs> Just going back to, and I want to talk about your experience the very first time that you realized the choir that you were playing for and had taught a song how did that make you feel? Tell us that experience. The very first time that I was playing for it and taught a song. Right. Um, oh, man. So I saw you. Do, you you're you asking me to go back to almost like 1978. <laughs> wow, I was in eighth grade. Good Lord. I don't, you know what? I probably was shocked. <laughs> I, probably was shocked. I don't think it really hit me until later. I'm like, they really saying something I talked, mm. you know, I was probably, because I doubted myself. I mean, I'm probably not like, unlike many others in the beginning, your conf- my confidence wasn't all, all, all there mm. because this, this responsibility was just li- literally put on me a week before he left the church. So it's like, you got to do this now. <laughs> and so, right. I mean, I had no warning, a one week warning. And so then teaching people again, that were older than me that I sat within the choir just last week, now I'm sitting at the organ telling you what the part is. Okay. You know? And so that, I would probably say I was 
probably shocked that it worked. Oh. <laughs> I like that. That it worked. <laughs> so that gives you confidence and gives you builds up your energy and knowing that God has given you a gift because everybody can't play. Everybody can't teach. Some people can play and teach. Some people can direct and don't know how to play music or how to write music. And that just lets you know, to me, it lets you know that God gives everybody a special gift. Some utilize those gifts and then develop them and grow them into more. Because listening to what you said about your very first beginning to where you are today, you see such a growth in yourself, don't you? I do. Um, uh, and, and you know what? Sometimes I don't realize it until somebody else brings it up. Because sometimes you just do, you're just doing it. You know what I mean? Right. You're just in the moment and you're just doing it and you don't really think about what it really is. And you're just trying to do it. It's somebody else that usually has, like yourself, that would have to point it out and say, oh, do you see where you're wrong? And I'm thinking, I guess... I guess she's right. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that's what this thing is. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, when you're in the moment, you know what I mean? Right. So now, as you mentioned at the beginning, that's why I said I was going to round back to the beginning, is so when you were talking to Harper and you said, how do you play without looking at your feet? Now, <laughs> you can do what? Yeah, I can play with it. Well, you know what? Literally, most of us, we may not have to do it. Most of us can play blindfolded. Mm. Because you just, it's a placement thing. You just kind of know where the keys are. Right. Uh, because I mean, if you think a lot of times musicians that sing, they're not always looking at what they're playing. They're, they're ministering. And they got a mic, you know, like Darius Brooks. He's sitting there, you know, uh-huh. Richard Swan. But he's sitting there and he's looking at you. I mean, he may be down occasionally, but if it's a song he's leading, he's not, his head is not in the keyboard. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so it's just, if Stevie Wonder can do, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that it's placement. You just kind of know where every, where it is, you okay. know. That's great. Well, I'm going to not take up more of your time, but I really do appreciate you joining me on my show let's talk gospel music gold i want to thank you for sharing but i am going to ask you this on the on air so i can have it on record Uh as i talked about doing a tribute show for certain people would you be willing to come back and be a guest for a tribute show under one condition. <laughs> What's that? That when I do it on my show, you'll be a guest on my show when I do it for James. Oh, okay. All right. So, so here's the thing. You know I have a show. I haven't been on in a couple of months when I come back. Tell us There's what your never, show is. We, we, uh, it's, it's called uh, According to Your Faith, mm-hmm. Ramon Perry. And According to Your Faith, the gospel show. It's on WVTC Radio. It also airs live on... Um, YouTube and um, Facebook and our internet radio station on Thursday nights at 7 Central Standard Time. So 
is my show is two hours. We can't cover James in two hours. Mm-hmm. Even with your show, how long is your show going to be? Well, I'm going to do start off doing 30 minutes at the maximum right now for a podcast. But if the audience says, hey, we want more, then I'll expand it. There you go. Mm-hmm. So if you if if you do a thirty minutes or an hour on James or whomever, and I come back and do it again, it's still not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Right, you're right. Because you're right. he was huge. Yeah, and he can't be contained in two hours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we can't tell it all. <laughs> so it's gonna be enough for your audience. And when you come, when I come to you, and it's gonna be enough for my audience when you come to me. Okay. Because we. James was huge. We can't. We, he can't be covered in, in in one show. Right. Right. Somebody gonna miss something. We gonna miss something. <laughs> <laughs> so when you come to me, I'm gonna call. We gonna we gonna work together. And there and there's room in the vineyard for all of us to be oh, yeah. prosperous and the Lord to bless our ministry. And again, let me congratulate you on taking this step. Thank you. Out here, uh, there's room. The, the, the Lord has opened the floodgates within the air with, with, with podcasts and you, Facebook and YouTube and the harvest is ripe and go as far as you can go and Sonia, I'm congratulating you and I'm thanking God for your success in advance. Well, thank you Ramon, I appreciate that. I do, I really do, I, I appreciate it. I have been moved more than people think that I have been. <laughs> so I know that there's something to it if it keeps eating at me but i want you to tell my audience again before we close out what your show name is what the station identification is and the date and the time sure we air live on thursday central central standard time at 7 p.m from 7 to 9 it's called ramon perry and according to your faith the gospel so and it's on WVTC Internet Radio. You can catch us live on my page. Uh, there's Ramon Perry, and you can get it on WVTC uh, page. It's also on YouTube. And um, I'd be glad to have you. Now, we, we, we I spin gospel music, but I discuss a variety of topics relating to music, gospel, and what's going on in the world as it relates to social justice. So you're going to hear Jesus, but you might see me sweat and get a little heated about social justice because I'm a social justice advocate. (laughs) Well, that is great. That's fantastic. And about your group, do you have a project coming up? No. um, Actually, the last thing that I did um, was a tribute to the late Brenda Moore. Mm Mm-hmm we lost suddenly in April of this year. And I'm still trying to digest that. But, oh, yeah. you know, I, you know, we have to accept God's will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And um, we did a tribute to her. And you can see that it's uh, on it's on YouTube. It's on my Facebook page. If you if you just Google it, you'll find it. It's a tribute to Brenda Moore. Uh, how excellent. And it the Lord has blessed us so far. We are almost at 20,000 views. Okay. On Facebook alone, and uh, it was a tribute to our dear sister who also worked with ECC as oh, well. Oh, yeah, oh, you know yeah. what I mean. Actually, it's, I went to see her um, just before she transferred from that first nursing home, and I think that was in 2017 or 2018. I went to see her, mm-hmm. and I was talking to her and told her 
that I'll be glad when she gets out of that nursing home so that we can talk and we can sit down and, you know, do the interview. Because at that point, that's when I had that revelation to do the video. Because uh, just a little crazy thing that happened is I was just doing a Google search one day because I heard a church in Sweden that was doing perfect praise. And I said, I wonder. On YouTube? Yeah. On YouTube? Uh-huh. And I, I said, I wonder if they even know who wrote the song. Because a lot of people think that somebody else wrote that song. And I looked up Brenda Joyce Moore and could not find her name anywhere on Google. And I said, you know, for a woman to have written a song that is sung worldwide, for them not to even know her or know her name, I just said, you know, I understand that people write for ministry, but it would be nice to be recognized for the work that you've done. So that Absolutely. was, uh, and I, I appreciate you sending out that information, asking for people to participate in that tribute. And I was glad to take part in it. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you were in it? I'm in shock. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You were one of the, I, I certainly did call you. Uh, I want a representation from probably every, you know, as much, in many places that Brenda had touched and her feet had touched. And I was her, believe it or not, I was Brenda's medical power of attorney. Wow. Wow. So I was with her every step of the way, every place she went. I was right there, hands on with her. Mm. I was de I was devastated. I had to leave work that day. I'll never forget it. But I accept God's will. She's in a better place. And yeah, well, I want to do a tribute show. I want to do a tribute show to her as well, because she not only wrote that song, she also wrote some songs for a Chicago Mass Choir. Walk up right. Uh -huh. Sure did. Oh yeah. So I want to do tributes for, like I said, some of some of our greats that have passed who have, who were really contributors to gospel music. And I want to thank you so much for participating. I look forward to talking to you in a little while. <laughs> Absolutely. And for my listening audience, let's talk gospel music gold. This has been Ansonia Smith-Gibbs with my friend Ramon Perry. Thank you so much for joining me. And right now I'm going to sign off with my listeners. Oops, if I knew the right code. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. This episode has been sponsored by BornToSpeakToYou.com. This is an online e-learning program with eight categories offering over 100 courses. The eight categories are administrative skills, career development, human resources, personal development, sales and marketing, supervisors and managers, workplace essentials, and a Microsoft Office package. Now with this package, you can get prepared to certify for the Microsoft Office Specialist exam. Right now, some of the courses are over 60% off their regular price. You'll want to check out these online learning courses. They're available 24 hours a day. Technical skills will get you the job, but training and soft skills will help you keep it. That's borntospeaktoyou.com. And the twos are numbers. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. I'm your host and Sonia. Have a blessed day.